Hi, it's Father Rick, and I want to welcome you to St. Michael's Episcopal Church. I'm really glad you found us. Please know that we accept you wherever you are on your spiritual journey, and we trust that God will take you where you need to be, right in God's timing. We're just glad that you're here with us, and we hope you enjoy today's sermon. God bless. Well, God, you are here, Lord, and we are here. Lord, may we be here together. May we truly be conscious of your presence with us and in us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be home. I um, thank you. Some were thinking, well, I was kind of hoping he'd stay in South Africa. No, Katrina and I had just the most absolutely spectacular, amazing trip into South Africa. It was, I still haven't gotten over it. It's amazing. Anyhow, I'm back, whether you like it or not. So here we are. Um, Former president of Morehouse College in Atlanta, a distinguished African-American minister, educator, and scholar. His name was Benjamin Mays. He was very influential with... um, um, Martin Luther King Jr. and whatever. I was reading a little bit of him this week, and, 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 and I notice he says this. He says, The tragedy of life is often not in our failures, but rather in our complacency. Not in our doing too much, but rather in our doing too little. Not in our living above our ability, but rather living below our capacities. And I think, at least when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, this aligns so much with our gospel lesson today. I think it captures the heart of today's gospel. Now, Jesus is approaching the end of his formal ministry. Uh, Therefore, he's approaching his death, right? The end. And he's telling the story about the end of the age. As a matter of fact, um, all our readings today, you could say, are about the end. When it all comes down to the end, what's it going to be? And so he's saying about what he called the end of this age, about the flowering of the coming of God's kingdom. In other words, what the world's going to look like when God reigns and God is running the show like God intended it to be and about what we should be doing in the meantime as you could say we're preparing for that kingdom, that end time. So Jesus is intending to encourage his listeners, his disciples um, to live a mindful, daring, generous life, to never give up. Even though he might not be present with them, that, that his message about the kingdom and this life that he modeled for them, he's saying, look, I want you to go out there and live this. Go out there and be this in the world. And he says, 
to them the kingdom of God. Again, the kingdom of God, you all know, is Jesus' central proclamation. That is Jesus' mission statement. That is everything that Jesus was about. Everything he did, everything he preached about, everything he taught about was about this idea of what he called the kingdom of God. What does the world look like when we're living into the fullness of who we were created to be and God is running the show? What this? And, and he wanted to manifest that kingdom in the here and the now. He says the kingdom of God will be like a wealthy master who was going on a trip and he generously entrusted uh, three different servants with a massive, exorbitant amount of wealth to be invested for his benefit. Now, one talent, as the scriptures called it, is about equivalent to roughly 15 years or so of income. So you can imagine the first person, he entrusted five talents. So he gave this guy, entrusted to this person, a lifetime of income. The other servant, he entrusted with him two talents, about a half of a life of income. And on the third, he entrusted one talent. About 15 years worth of income. So you can imagine there was an exorbitant amount of trust in this master to turn over his 401k plan and give, and, and give it to these folks and entrust them to invest it for his benefit. Well, that was an extravagant amount of money. And so two of the servants were extremely faithful to what it was entrusted to them. They became very busy and active in the master's kingdom's business, if you will. They were generous with, with everything that their master had given them. And upon the master's return, they were so good and so uh, intentional about what they were doing that they had actually doubled the master's money. And so he was delighted. You can imagine if you... Gave you my 401k. I went to South Africa for two weeks. I come back and you go, hey, man, I doubled it. I would be really tickled pink, right? <laughs> Wouldn't you? And so he looks at them and says, wow, your reward is great. And, it's, and I'm going to give you greater intimacy with me. And I'm even going to give you and trust to you even more, more responsibility. Well done, good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your master that was really great right but the third guy and he's a guy um, <laughs> thank you <laughs> he says he was afraid that's what he says i was afraid so he started making excuses right he was making excuses for running away from his responsibility. He was making excuses for what had been entrusted to him. And he noticed he blamed the master. And he buried his talents that was entrusted to him. Fifteen years of income. I'm like, bro, what did you do with my 401k? Oh, dude, this is worth the same amount as it was when you left. I'm like, I'm not happy about that, right? And so notice what he says. He goes, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you do not sow, and gathering where you do not scatter seed. Now notice something here. 
neither of the other two servants held this image with such fear. Isn't that interesting? I mean, even though they were entrusted with significantly more, right? And therefore, they actually had more to lose. The landowner trusted them deeply. And just, he gave one a lifetime of income and the other a half a life. I mean, that's a lot of trust. And as much as I love y'all, if I go away to South Africa for two weeks, I'm not going to give you my 401k, right, and entrust that to you. But this is what this master did. And he gives them considerable sums to invest, and he comes back after a long time. He was in South Africa for like a year, right? Notice his response, though, to the third servant's distorted image of him. You knew, he says, you knew, did you? Really? Like, you knew this? You knew I was one of these rough guys? Is that you knew? Calling into, I think, the servant's assessment, you know, calling that into doubt, if you will. And he says, you wicked and lazy slave. As is to say, you know what? Stop making excuses. Quit blaming me to justify your sloth and complacency. Morehouse, by the way, that I quoted starting out, says this. It's not a disgrace not to reach the stars, but it's a disgrace to have no stars to reach for. Not failure, but low aim is sin. And that's what this guy was dealing with, this third servant, right? I mean, is God harsh, unyielding, punitive, a fear-mongering mob boss who we better satisfy and gratify or else? Is that who God is? Does that sound like God to you? Do you trust God? Does God trust you? I mean, in all of the Gospels, when you read the Gospels in our scripture, in our colic this morning, it says to read, learn, mark, and inwardly digest, right, the scripture. Because there's life in that. It helps us, um, it reflects the image of God and who God really is, and especially the Gospels as we look at Jesus. But you know, so many people... They have an image of God that is much like that third servant, you know? So many, the only God they had ever known is one of these mean gods, a God who demands achievement and accomplishment in order to be approved of, right? Or a God who loves us only when we follow the rules and fulfill God's expectations. Or a God who threatens us with outer darkness, and a gnashing of teeth unless we make something worthy of ourselves. And I got to tell you the truth. I'll confess. I fear that God. And I'd probably bury the talents that he's entrusted to me too. You know? But the truth is, I don't believe in that God. My God is reflected in the life teaching ministry of Jesus. And when I want to know what God's really like, I look at Jesus. 
and he shows me God. See, our image of God determines how we invest our lives and all our gifts that he's entrusted to us, um, that are his gifts, actually, entrusted to us. How we invest those matters in our, the way we understand who God is. And if God is the one who was revealed in Jesus, we see a God who is one of just um, unbelievable or almost unimaginable reckless generosity, reckless love, a God who loves with complete, absolute abandonment, a God who is crazy enough or faithful enough to literally trust himself, God's self, to us. This God in Jesus gives all that God is to us. Jesus showed us how to live a life of love in a very self-centered and power-seeking world. And he was willing, listen, he was willing to die to, to give himself over to a cross so that we could know what God is really like. This is what love looks like. This is what God looks like. How much he loves us and forgives us and understands our suffering. This is God. A death that um, doesn't make it possible for God to love and forgive us. That's not what the cross was about, so that Jesus could convince God to love us. No, no. The cross, the death, demonstrates that God already loves us and forgives us, and how far God would go to reach us. See, the God we see in Jesus, it turns out, is not one that's harsh and reaping where he did not sow and gathering where he did not scatter seed, but rather a God of extravagant love and mercy and generosity. And because of this God, everyone in this room has life with God for eternity, right? He gave more than we ever expected or deserved, even you good ones out there, and gathering back an offering of joy. This is God. So if that's really God, then the question is, what kind of God, what kind of life, I should say, does this God want me to live? I mean, to be trustworthy servants, don't you think we must be willing to trust the one who's entrusted his very self, her very self, God's very self to us. That was a joke, y'all. Chill. All right. Now, <laughs> so what is your image of God? Is he one who loves you with everything that he is? Like, I mean, with everything that he is. This is the God that we claim in Jesus Christ, and that's the God who's claimed us. In our baptism, by the way, y'all, here I go. I'm going to do it. All right. In our baptism, 
Y'all got one of these. It's waterproof. What's that? All right, keep going, brother. I like it a little bit. Give me an amen every now and then, would you? All right. Every one of us in our baptism was given an envelope. Now, if you lost your envelope, you need to go look for it. Because inside your envelope are gifts from God that have been entrusted to you. They're God's given to you, entrusted to you, that will bring a return when invested in God's kingdom. Every single one of us. Now, here's the thing. Not everyone has the same things on inside. My envelope is personalized. It has my name on it, right? It's not the same as Father Greg's or Happy or Eric or Yvonne or, or Freddie. Everyone's is a little different, right? And like you open it up, you go inside. Like some people got entrusted with creativity. It's a gift. But how can you use that gift that God entrusted to you for his kingdom? Now, some of us gifted with administration, right? That's important, right? It is. We need good administrators. We need good managers. We need good leaders. At the same time, some people were the gift of encouragement or exhortation, you know? You got gifts. These are God's gifts to you, to you. And he intends for you to take the gifts, the talents, if you will, the treasure that he's entrusted to you, and use it so that his kingdom, that dream of God's, will be manifested here. See, some of you may have had this one in your, in your you know, generosity. There's one, generosity. Maybe, and I've met some people that have that gift, and I have personally experienced that through this community, and I am humbled by it. Some folks have this gift. They just, they're gifted, right? They're just gifted. And God gave them this gift so that it could be duplicated and multiplied so that what God is doing through that person, that God's kingdom can be happening here on this earth. And see what else is in your... Oh, some of y'all probably, you got to look deep in your envelope because he puts a pledge card in there too. And, and so if you haven't turned it in, it's still in your envelope, right? All right. Greg dared me to do that. So the real question in all seriousness is what are you doing with the gifts that God entrusted to you? Are you making the best use of them? Do you trust him that this was given to you so that you could make a difference in his world, in his dream, that you could participate with him in making God's dream for humanity real? That your energy and your talents, your wealth and your health, your love and your faith and all that God has given you in this one life that you have here on earth, what do you do with that? Are you using it? Jesus is trying to encourage us, don't be 
afraid. Don't make excuses. Or are you spiritually complacent? You know? We got a... None in, none in this room. But there are people that are spiritually complacent. You know, they play it safe. And they actually bury their treasures to protect themselves. They, they bury their treasures and they hide their envelope. They put it somewhere and they don't remember where they put it. And then they start blaming the master. Like, I don't know what, where my envelope is. You've seen my envelope? I, 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 right. Do you take God's gifts seriously? Do you think that you've been given very little? And use that as a rationalization for making no effort or producing little for God? This isn't to make us feel guilty. This is to encourage us. The gift, the envelope of new and unending life has been given to us. And gee, we've been sealed and marked as his own forever. That's the truth of who we are. So what's in your envelope? What's in your envelope? What's it? We ought to do a commercial. What's in your envelope? I mean, <laughs> really, this is, this is the beauty and the gift that God has given us that we truly can participate with God, folks. And I know that you all know this. I know you know this, and I know that you're doing it. I know it. I do. And I say this to encourage you. And if you've not looked in your envelope in a few years, go back and look in there and see what God's put in there. Italian composer Giancarlo Minotti says, Hell, 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 hell begins on the day when God grants us a clear vision of all that we might have achieved, of all the gifts which we've wasted, of all that we might have done, which we did not do. Hell begins on the day when God shows us that vision. Oh, man, bro. You didn't even look inside your envelope. What were you thinking, bro? I had encouraged you. I had given you gifts. What are we willing to risk to get the greatest return on our investment in the kingdom of God. I ask that for you individually. I ask that for myself personally. And I ask that for this community. Jesus is encouraging us not to bury the gifts of God, the gifts entrusted to us from God, but to take the risk of treating it as if we own those gifts, investing those gifts, sharing those gifts with energy and enthusiasm and hope and imagination to invest the resources that God's entrusted to us, that is our time, our effort, our talent, our money, in ways that amplify and multiply God's dream goodness, love on this earth, investing God's gifts for the sake of God's dreams, multiplying it twofold, threefold, fivefold, the good that God is doing in and through us for the love of the world. What's inside your envelope? 
What's inside our envelope? Jesus promises something in this. He says the outcome of investing what God's put in your envelope, the outcome is joy. Joy. You didn't say happiness, but joy. It's an invitation to know the extraordinary, divine joy of our master. What's in your envelope? Amen. I'll put that back down there. invite you into a moment of silence. Maybe this is just a good time to look inside your envelope. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn, and therefore, you can never lose.